Is It Transphobic? will be addressing issues of transphobia and transmisogyny. We may also address issues of racism, classism, ableism, and various other intersectional issues in this podcast. So this is a trigger warning. The panelists on Is It Transphobic? will also use strong language. So listener discretion is advised. Thank you so much for coming to Is It Transphobic? My name is Ashley Lauren Rogers, and I am the producer and creator of the Is It Transphobic podcast, and a thing I forgot to do, I use she, her pronouns. Today, I'm being joined by... Uh, I'm AJ Mattioli, and I use he and him pronouns, uh, and I'm a queer filmmaker. Joe Goforth used they, them pronouns. Awesome. Uh, so today, we're talking about Nanette the special by Hannah Gadsby on Netflix. Uh, initially, Hannah Gadsby had been touring it around uh, throughout the world, from what I understand. I know that she definitely came over here to America and did it. Uh, and um, so I kind of just want to start off with initial impressions. Like, what, what did you think you were getting into with the special before you watched it? Uh, because it takes a lot of turns that I know I didn't expect, so I'm, I'm curious if you had a similar reaction. Um, I didn't really know what to expect. I had just seen um, somebody tweet about it, and I was like, oh, I'll check that out. That seems serious. <laughs> yeah. And so I watched it. I had just woken up. I oh. just, yeah, I just woke it up and I like <laughs> it's a, it's a nice morning. and I yeah. like opened my laptop and I was like, let's watch Nanette. This seems like the proper time. And then I cried a lot. Mm. I cried a lot. Yeah. Mm. That's, yeah. Um, I'll say I went into it because I know them. Uh, I believe, no, she. She, she yeah. Yeah, she. Mm-hmm. Um, I know her as a comedian. Mm. Um, so I went into it very much thinking I was watching a stand-up special. And I think that's how it's... Uh, I think that's how it's promoted as a stand-up special, mm. uh, but it feels very much like um, a comedy show slash a TED Talk. Um, mm. I felt that if I wasn't watching it for this show, I don't know if I would have watched the whole thing. I think that when I go to watch a stand-up routine, I go to laugh, and I want to laugh, and mm. even if it's making trans jokes or it's making gay jokes, that's cool. I want to laugh. Um, I felt that it... It did a disservice to me mm. as a comedy special because I don't watch comedy special to cry. Mm. Um, the testosterone doesn't let me cry, but I felt like I normally would have uh, been mm. very teary. Um, so I feel that um, although it, I, it was very enjoyable and I enjoyed it as a, as a piece, uh, I feel that it should come with almost a, a trigger warning. Like don't like don't watch mm. this as a comedy show. Because it can take you on an emotional roller coaster, mm. and I was wanting to watch it and then go out, and then I felt like there was a part where I had to press pause and go, I need to go out with my friends because now I'm in this emotional state and I need a break from it. And I was as opposed to um, watching a comedy show before going out with my friends and being in a good mood because of it. Mm. Uh, and I felt that like. You know, it's hard to call it something else besides a comedy special because it's so mm. much the the setup is a comedy special. Mm. Uh, so if you called it something else, I don't know what that would be called. But mm. I do think uh, 
I enjoyed it, but I wish there was a little bit of a stipulation from the type of trailers that I've seen uh, for it. Mm. I mean, I, because as far as I know, I don't think they were saying it was specifically a comedy special. They definitely said Hannah Gadsby comedian in a lot of the... Yeah, yeah. But I, I think with a lot of the way it was marketed, because it very is, it's hard to put a pin on exactly what this is, because it's definitely one person show style, because it does yeah. open it up to not just stand-up comedy, but there's certainly a lot of that style in there. Um, but it, it does kind of move in a way that just really, it is, there are a lot of gut punches, yes. uh, for lack of a better term. So I know there was, um, uh, Joe, there was some, like, there was something that you, you, it seemed like you might, you wanted to jump in on something. Do you? <laughs> Sorry, uh, we're, we're using new tech. Dis- yeah, no, to say that it's a disservice <laughs> to, like, the viewer, to say that it's uh, not a comedy special, seems to have missed the entire point of the stand-up, mm. which is her reflecting on her time as a comedian in the format in which she has operated in for decades. Um kind of ignores her whole purpose with mm. the stand-up so it sits bad with me sits bad with me to say that uh just because that's her whole thing mm. and it's it's like the her entire career kind of like as it was to now culminating into this moment of like really it, and i think she does do a really good job of setting up what it's going to be mm. um and it has its moments of levity but i think with even within like a third of the way through you could tell where oh. it's going to go. So, like, if it's not your thing, I think it's one of those things where you just have to go, I'm not going to watch this because I wanted something that's going to make me laugh and not something that's serious. But it is still a comedy stand-up. Like, she's, she wrote it that way. She sprinkles levity throughout it. But also, it, I think to say that comedy only has to be something that's, like, purely funny and doesn't deal with any serious material uh, makes its entire ability to change and create something new within its own format limited. Yeah. Mm. I mean, yeah. I mean, I could definitely see your point. I mean, I, I've definitely gone on record saying things, uh, that a lot of comedy shows that are, uh, up for awards aren't comedy shows. Um, I don't think transparent is a comedy show. I don't think, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't think get out was a comedy. I think that, um, for me as a filmmaker, I look at genres, and then when I have a genre, I'm watching it for a reason. So I totally understand your perspective on it, and I totally understand uh, her mental, her the way she does comedy, and the point of I didn't miss the point of the special. Uh, I understood the point of the special, which is simply for me, marketing wise and advertising wise, when I'm putting out a product, when I when I want to see a product. It, the the advertising for it didn't match what I watched, which could be a, a problem in the PR marketing. It could be a problem in human. Re- I mean, it, there's so many different feel. There's so many different positions that that could be a problem. But I just felt that the it it was marketed to me. It felt like it was marketed as a stand-up special. Like any time I saw the commercial, it was after the Eliza stand-up special. Any time I got an advertisement, it was after another comedy special, it was like things you might like when I watched, you know, a comedy special, it was things you might like, 
like the way from me so it, for me it felt it felt like a different genre hmm. Well, I know even with uh, uh, Hassan Minhaj had a really good comedy special that sort of uh, like it, it it touched on a lot of these areas as well, uh, not specifically in the same way. And in my opinion, uh, it didn't have quite as many. And, and I'm using the term gut punches because that's just like how it like it felt like a very visceral. Uh, but like in the same way, uh, Hassan Minhaj had a bunch of these as well. And I think. Part of why this one, and correct me if I'm wrong, and if I'm assuming for you, but I think part of the reason why it maybe didn't sit well as a comedy specifically is because the comedy is there, but then it completely transcends, and it almost criticizes what comedy is. And yeah. I, th I think if you're not expecting to go into a piece about something that is criticizing comedy, it can be tough but at the same time i almost feel like that's what makes it almost necessary it sucks to be kind of like i don't want to use the word tricked because that's not true either but like that idea of like going in expecting one thing and part of that is the marketing yeah. because if like the other thing is like i i think it would be very tough to say like here's an ad for a thing you're going to have a transcendental experience yeah. about <laughs> comedy it's just like Marketing i want to watch that like <laughs> No. So I, I wonder if part of the problem is more just like the marketing that you you went into it yeah. with, unfortunately. Like, and I would have, you know, I would have watched it either, you know, obviously I would have watched yeah. it either way because I'm on the show, but <laughs> and it was the assignment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think that, like, yeah, I think I would have enjoyed it as a as a TED talk. I would have enjoyed it as. Mm. That I think again, I think it it goes down to the marketing. Mm. You know, I think it comes into. See, I wouldn't have watched it if it was a TED talk. Yeah. Okay. Oh really? Sorry. Oh, go I ahead, Joe. Oh, sorry, yeah. No, no. We we were just both saying the same thing. <laughs> I I want to give yeah. you more voice. <laughs> I absolutely want to watch it as a TED talk because TED talks already say things like this. Comedy mm. doesn't say things like this. Um, and to limit a genre to capitalism and to its marketing is to mm. limit stories and the stories that people can tell and their creative output. Everybody who's on this panel right now works in stories. Mm. Ashley and I both work in theater. I also write. You work in filmmaking, so we're all very familiar with genre. Mm. Um, but to limit it to a certain worldview that allows it to only be light, basically mm. mutes marginalized creators. Like you cannot talk about your actual lived reality mm. because it's not funny enough. And that's fucked up. Um, and if that's not what you're trying to say, that's sure, but that's what it kind of sounds like. Um, and if it wasn't in the field of comedy, it wouldn't mean as much because she's specifically talking about the world in which she lives. Mm. Like, she lives as a comedian, she works as a comedian, that's what she does, and that's her whole, like, life. Mm. So to, to remove that from the stand-up special is to remove part of what makes it meaningful mm. is because it is her life, it is her journey, it is her career, and to take that back and say... I am critically thinking about what it is that I'm involved in and how I've made my own life worse by, by like buying in to this idea of how I craft my story. Cause like so much of the, of the special is like the stories that I have crafted have a beginning and middle. She talks about this because that's what a joke is. And her saying that my career as a comedian has frozen my life into the stories that I tell. So it directly deals with comedy. It's directly about comedy. So for it to be a TED talk makes it less, but it, no, but it is comedy. 
it is comedy mm. within it and to to limit the genre to a specific uh tone of levity makes it less creative of a field mm. like, i and i'm gonna move some things really quick while i say this because i have a microphone independent of you two again we're testing out new technology thank you so much <laughs> uh joe can i just ask you to move this away yeah. from here real quick so uh what i was going to say is also because i've spent a lot of time in comedy i have done stand-up um i have a lot of friends that do stand-up um it's it is also a world that you notice a lot of people are not very good at receiving criticism but love to give it (laughs) and i think that's also an element that we need to talk about within comedy is that idea of like what, what we were just talking about that idea of criticism and that idea of like how um like and she talks about like I, I think one of my favorite bits in the thing was her talking about like someone rushing up to her after a show, uh, which is the best time, like which is when I'm most interested in hearing criticism. <laughs> She's like, when I have the thickest skin. That's right, yeah, when I have the yeah. thickest skin. Um, <laughs> I, felt so bad, I was like, yeah. oh yeah, I feel that. I get that. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, more more than anything else, like let's let's talk a little bit about that idea of how this special, because there is so much of the stand-up comedy backbone, because we're kind of going into that idea of genre bending. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about how to criticize this, because we're we're going in on an anal- like analysis and criticism. So how can we criticize this piece? Like, what are some ways that we can talk about it? Uh, yeah, I know that's a very vague statement, <laughs> but do like, you, do you mean within the context of comedy as a genre? Because I mean, mm. like, as soon as you start talking about like comedy and people not receiving yeah. criticism, it gives me like actual references. Like a friend of mm. mine recently left New York entirely because of really, well, for lots of different reasons. But she is a comedian and she has worked in New York as a stand-up comedian for a long time mm. and doing improv. And her experiences were really bad in New York. Um, I can't say no, all the stuff fine. that happened, mm-hmm. but um, but basically experienced a lot of misogyny. Was around a lot of homophobia, a lot of transphobia, and she just was like, she's in Chicago now. She's mm. happier, but it was just like, and there was no there was no form and way for her to speak up. Um, about the experiences that she was having without her being like blacklisted within the community. And a little mm. bit of that did happen when she did stand up for all the stuff that she was facing and dealing with. So the fact that Hannah Gatsby has this platform, has established herself as a comedian for such a long time that she finally had this platform to speak about these issues that comedy as a, a, f- a professional field mm. disallows and disbars people from talking about, not only on stage, but within themselves is like a really big deal. Yeah. 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 What are your experiences with it? Like working within comedy in Mm. New York? I mean, I've, I've been lucky enough because it's a thing that I don't do as often as I could or should professionally that like I can kind of distance myself, but definitely like you notice that there are a lot of mentalities that, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where again, like I'm kind of still an outsider in that world. So I'm lucky enough to be able to like, just sort of look at it. Uh, but you see a lot of like toxic mentalities, both like in misogyny, but also like, uh, I recently did a show and someone was like, oh, so is that your thing? You do comedy in a dress? And I was like, no, my thing is I do jokes. 
and I happened to be wearing a dress. And I wanted to be mean, and I debated being mean and just saying something like, like, is this your thing? You just talk about the way people look? Is that, is that it? You just show up and you say, hey, you, you're wearing a hat. Like, like, like oh, yeah, no, I can see why that's funny. No, but like, <laughs> Is that your thing, wearing sneakers? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, you know, it's 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 one of those things where, like, for me, I've been very lucky. But again, like, I've only dipped my toes as opposed to necessarily diving in and making it my whole and only. And so for that, like, I do still have a little bit of a different experience. But yeah, like, you notice that there are a lot of folks who anytime there's any kind of criticism, like that idea of like, oh, you know, like, oh, you know, your, your set wasn't that great. It's like, oh, well, maybe I should just be transgender then. Oh, maybe I should just, uh, what if I wear a hat? What if I wear a pith helmet? Uh, then will you th- find me funny? Uh, I, I don't know what that voice was, and I apologize for it. But, but it's just watch, like, yeah. Just... I would watch that all day. I, mean, uh, <laughs> I was like, I'm like, So you'll watch that, but uh, yeah, yeah. I'm but like, you know, like. this is comedy. <laughs> But yeah, like, you know, so it's just, it's, it's, so you hear people like, yeah, so for me, that, that's been my experience at least, and so it, it can be very hard to kind of find comics that actually accept criticism, that listen to criticism, and so this idea that she's talking about how, like, all she just gets is freaking criticism, and, like, that, that whole concept of, like, oh, there's not enough lesbian material in your set. <laughs> yeah, oh my god, um, so this is something that in comics people talk about a lot, mm-hmm. where it's, where, um, it's like, it's not queer enough, and, the, and everybody's just like, everybody who made this comic is queer, yeah. I don't know what else you want. Mm-hmm. So when she was like, the joke where she was like, I was here the whole time, I was standing <laughs> on stage the whole time, but not enough lesbian content, like, really resonated. <laughs> there was a moment, so last year was the first time I was tamaling for a convention, mm. and I did FlameCon. And apparently while I was away from the table, somebody to the artist of this like little zine that we did based on the Lady of Shalott was like, there's nothing queer in this. And, and the artist, she's so nice. She's, she's such a wonderful person. But she was like, I'm queer. And the person who wrote it is queer and trans. And the person who originally wrote the poem 200 years ago was gay. Mm. Like, I don't know what else how you would like. Yeah, how like, much more do you yeah, want? So mm. what do you care about more? Like me talking mm. about like my like I don't know queer experiences or like mm. everything being generated by someone who lives this and like supporting somebody who lives this mm. yeah anyway no but even even just like it also made me laugh yeah <laughs> <laughs> well and and I think that that's sort of why all these gut punches work is because you're taken in yeah. by the comedy and the comedy yeah. is there yeah. and then even and especially like I think for me the two most effective bits in this whole thing were first the telling the story about the guy who's like, oh, you're what, like, oh, so you're like, oh, I thought you were a faggot. And then like, you know, like, pardon, pardon the terms. Um, but yeah, like, and so then you hear other things. Yeah, and it, it moves on and it goes on. And then you find out that no, in order to create a joke, she had to completely erase her experience. And then she told us the rest of the story where she did get assaulted by the man because of other bullshit and... Uh, like that, that was super effective because it's like, yeah, no, when you're building a joke, you kind of have to self-censor. You don't lie 
but you have to self-censor so that you can get the audience behind you. And there is, particularly with queer comedy, or I've found this to be true with a lot of other uh, comedians who are experiencing some form of marginalization, that you, like, one of your top priorities is unfortunately trying to bring in the masses, bring in what could be called the dominant culture. Uh, And in that, it kind of ruins what the actual story is. And so for me, that just was encapsulated so well in this special. Um, But the other one was the moment where she yells, uh, and like after going through all of this detail about Van Gogh and all these other like horrible artists saying, and to the men in the audience, pull your socks up! Because, and you can see it in the audience too, they think that there's a deeper message to it. No, she's literally, she finishes it with, that's the last joke you'll get, a a fashion advice from a lesbian. (laughs) It's just like, that's so good, because it does, like, it still does mean something more than that. It means, yeah, pull your fucking socks up, but it also means, pull pull your socks up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I want to... Sorry, flash yeah, a little bit so of what you were talking about before about how mm-hmm. we, how, I mean, comedy edits stories, especially with, among like marginalized identities. Because um, mm. th- that's a mm. background on how, what I think about comedy. I think comedy is um, th- more than I think than any other type of story, really reflective of the person and of the culture mm. that it comes out of. Um, and it reflects our daily lives in a way that's very specific that I don't think any other storytelling does. Um, so I take com- I take comedy ridiculously seriously. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, and, yeah. Anyway, to say, I think, because it's beyond just, like, what people do in a stand-up, like, we do it in our daily lives. Like, as she was telling the story and about, like, removing the part about the, the assault, like, specifically, like, as I was hearing her tell that story, I was, like, hearing myself edit stories for people all the time yeah. and I do this all the time especially because I work I work at a sex shop as my like day job and stuff like that happens all the time where people like want to make jokes about sex and you want to make people feel like fun and light and stuff but you're talking about serious stuff and you end up editing your stories a lot in order to make things like really palatable for people and make it like really engaging and funny and especially even on like small levels of like somebody be like how is it do- how is it working here <laughs> and yeah. you don't want to be like i get sexually harassed every single every, day every day, mm. every day. um mm. and so just like the ways in which we edit traumas within our life to make them palatable and make them funny and make our lives more readable by other people like under marginalization under capitalism all this stuff is like really really resonant so when she like revealed that part of the story i was just like like you said, like the gut punch where you're just like, mm. this is what I do all the time. And this is what people who need to make themselves more readable, more understandable, um, do all the time. Like if it comes to like trying to bond with your like biological family, if it comes to like trying to mm. fit in with your straight coworkers or your cis coworkers, like whatever it is, like editing your life so that it's more palatable. And so it's like, you can make them comfortable anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, like, yeah. That, oh, this oh. is heavy. Yeah, I love it, but Can yeah. Because mm-hmm. you brought up that part about, mm-hmm. because it's a part of the assault, mm-hmm. I wanted to, t- I have notes. Yeah, no, please. Um, so, because we were talking about, like, transphobia stuff, so I wanted mm-hmm. to 
bridge because I have a lot of thoughts about the section where she talks about trans stuff. Yeah. But it links because I, th- I give her a lot of leeway in it. Yeah. Some of it I'm like, girl. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but but mm. I think it connects to something she said later because this was the second time I was watching it, so I really wanted mm. to pay attention. And it's comedy, so it's edited a bit. She doesn't say everything she means to say. I like yeah. trying to give her a little bit of that doubt. Mm-hmm. But when she talks about like being gender not normal, later when she talks about being assaulted, she says... Um, and that, and that the violence was gendered. That would not have happened if I was feminine. I am incorrectly female. Mm. And that, to me, because that because the earlier part where she's talking about gender not normal directly leads into her telling the first half of that story. Yeah. So, I think it's really important when we go into talking about her and her gender and talking about transgender stuff to like remember that moment. Yeah. Where she says like I was incorrectly female and so I was assaulted for it. Mm. And. Because, like, trans are not if you're gender non-conforming. Because gender non-conforming is not necessarily trans. Yeah. Like, being, as she says, masculine, off-center, lesbian. That's what she identifies mm-hmm. herself as um, in the comedy special. Changes her experiences. Yeah. And, like, she says stuff that's fucked up, I think, mm. about trans stuff. But also her experiences as somebody who is not, who does get violence upon her for her presentation. Mm even if it's different than the way the three of us might experience it mm. is important. But yeah, so like, mm. I don't know, that was kind of incoherent. But I hope it made sense. No, no, it definitely I mean, did. Yeah, I mean, I think like if we're going to talk mm. about parts of the of the show that yeah. that affected us in a negative way, and I, and I did a, a large part of me watching it, I was just like, j- it doesn't, all you're doing is what I yell at cis white gays for doing and telling my story. And for me, like, I was just like, when she says, I identify as tired and everyone laughs, I go, not one person in that audience understands what it means to identify as something outside of the box. Because for me, that's not funny. Hmm. You're, now you're taking identity and what I hold on to so deeply, and you're comparing it to being tired. For me, she, the minute that joke happened, that show was ruined for me. It pissed me off so badly because if I said if a cis passing like white guy said that or a cis gay guy said that, I would be insulted. And just because she's a lesbian that gets confused for being trans by people around her hmm. does not mean that she has a trans experience. For me, in my opinion, like so. For me, it was yeah. Do you go ahead? I don't disagree with you that she doesn't experience mm. transness, but mm. she doesn't experience what cis passing people no. experience. Yeah. Like to like compare a cis like straight guy mm. saying that to somebody who is deliberately acknowledged that her gender is not like readable as cis, mm. that she does experience stuff for it, that she has literally experienced assault for it. But it's to compare her to somebody who will never experience mm. assault. Over her present, uh, over their presentation, I, is like kind of fucked up. Because those are two different experiences. To like erase the nuance there, is to I, not acknowledge her the violence think, perpetrated no, on her. I, I, I think she had lesbian violence happen to her because she's a lesbian. I think that because when because like even though people thought she was trans, the fact of the matter is the way she receives information as a as a assigned female at birth and continues to live like that. For me, 
that anyone that does not that is not trans shouldn't be talking about it. I don't care if you're gay, lesbian, bisexual, pansexual. I don't. For me, keep my story out of your mouth. That's how I feel. Um, because she's she's, yeah. Well, okay, but I again, she's telling a she's telling things from a trans perspective, but she's not trans. Well, like I, in my in like in my opinion, that's how I watched it. That was my experience watching it. I mean, I I think that there is a a very real conversation in that cis women who don't, uh, for for lack of a different, who don't present femme do experience violence because yeah, of anti-trans 30, bigotry. 32 years of my life. I yeah. understand what it's like to identify as a lesbian and have mm-hmm. be assaulted. But I get that. But yeah, no. So I think that there is definitely something within that. I think that there is definitely something to be said about that. That is a thing that really does exist. A lot of cis women do experience violence because of anti-trans bigotry because they do not present as femme. And I think that's where Hannah Gadsby was going, especially because, and I think because she included that whole joke about someone telling her that she needs to come out as transgender. And I, I almost feel like because she had that joke in there, I was a lot more receptive to a lot of the other language as much as I see where where you might have issue with still like I don't I, I identify as tired. Um, yeah, I, like I, I can see why that would still ring a little uh, uh, but yeah. but to that same extent, it is something that to an extent she is dealing with anti-trans violence as a cis person, but as a person that does not. And so it is not the same experience, but it is still an experience that I think is somewhat is valid. And maybe there is still some nuance that we need to find within that, but it's still, again, like it is violence that needs to stop. And I think that was more of where she was going with it. Yeah, no, no. I mean, Mm -hmm. I appreciate her experiences. I'm not saying that it was easy. I just... For me, when you talk about trans experiences and you're yeah. not trans, there's always a falsehood to it. It just feels false. It feels that you're using us as a pa- it just it for me. And I've had this mm. problem with a lot of lesbian comedians in the past. I've followed because mm. in my movie there was a lot of comedians in it, mm. um, and I've I, and I've talked to them about that. Like for me, I don't care how good the punchline is. Like, and I don't. For me, it's. The minute you're using gender as a joke in any way, I've lost respect for you. Like, uh huh. But they don't identify as tired. That's not a gender. Like that's my like that's not a gender to me. That's. Yeah. I also she might not identify as trans, but I. She specifically says that she says gender not normal. Like she like trans. No, people can experience gender stuff outside mm. of transness. Yeah, like non-binary people exist outside of identifying as trans. Um, mm. Like somebody can acknowledge that she has gender question marks somewhere around her. Like you yeah. can't make the assumption that she doesn't have questions around her gender when she has specifically said that she does. And And I think like, that... Yeah. Yeah. Like trans TM mm-hmm. is not the only way to experience gender, and cis TM is mm-hmm. not the only way to experience gender. 
And I think also there there is something to be said, honestly, when she started talking about that idea of like, I identify as gender, like uh, not identify as gender, not normal, but when she started using language like that, there there is a certain extent that I think we can immediately just as, as trans and non-binary folk who have maybe like dealt with people that say that without nuance and say like, oh, I identify as a helicopter. Yeah. Uh, but like, I, I, I actually didn't feel that from her. I, I thought that it was more, I thought even though she does not, and she does still use she, but like even though she does not use terms like trans, even though she does not use terms like non-binary, there is still something to, and there is a chance like gender, the language that we use to define ourselves can change. And I almost feel like because of the stories that she was telling, because of the experience she was sharing, she can still be a woman and still be, I'm not going to say non-binary because that's still not necessarily, might not necessarily be her truth. But I, I was definitely getting some, yeah, like like a non, I don't even want to say like non-cisgender, but there was there was something that, elevated it that again i still see where you can where one can find the phrase i identify as tired problematic but at the same time like i don't know like there there was a nuance to what she was doing that i can't put my finger on that tells me she's she i don't know for me she gets a pass like for lack of a better term yeah yeah i just for me on sorry Mm. uh i think she had a conscientiousness mm. around her gender in a way that cis people don't. Yeah. And a conscientiousness of how that results in violence, a conscientiousness around how that results in her being perceived, like her talking about being perceived as a bloke from afar, and then mm. as soon as she got closer and being different. I mean, I like was not happy about the section where she was like, and for that split, you don't have to apologize for that split second I got uh, I got to be top tier human. Like, yeah. I understand the joke, but also I was a little pissed. <laughs> I was like, that's nice for you, but you also don't have to, because this is the only moment where I got mad. Mm-hmm. Where, because I was mm-hmm. like, well, that's nice for you that you were like, I don't have to apologize because I got to be a top tier human. Mm-hmm. If you were trans, like trans TM, mm-hmm. if you identified as trans masculine, that would be worse. Because suddenly, if you, you have the choice between establishing no. I'm trans, masculine, mm. or no, I'm a woman, like, or no, I'm non-binary. Those are two different experiences, because mm. then the life becomes a lot more complicated after that moment. Um, you don't just get to laugh it off and be like, oh, I had a good moment for a moment. You thought I was a straight cis guy. Um, mm. That, I was just like, ah, Hannah, I'd like to sit down with you and talk <laughs> to you about, about how that's not okay. You know, that yeah. moment makes my life very hard. Mm. Um, that doesn't make my life better. That makes my life really hard. Um, and, uh, yeah. Mm. Anyway, so that's the only moment where I was like, we should sit down. But also, <laughs> but also I do mm. give a lot more leeway to people who I know I could sit down with. Mm. And I could say something like that to. And yeah. they would receive it because she seems like the kind of person I could sit down and be like, hey. Just not directly mm-hmm. after the show. Yeah, not directly <laughs> yeah, after yeah. the show. But if we were like hanging out <laughs> if we were friends, mm-hmm. like if I could just be like, hey, mm-hmm. Hannah, that's not like, mm-hmm. that's not great. Let's, yeah. let's rework this a little bit. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, let's talk about like mm-hmm. why that's hurtful yeah. for somebody who's trans. Um, no. But like she no. is open. Like, mm. that was my only moment of anger. No. Identify mm. as tired. I'm like, I'm freaking exhausted. Yeah. I got it. Um, 
how do you feel about um, the the sir madam joke? It was it, yeah, but it was it was like the phrasing. I want to say, how do you feel? Do you feel like the sir madam thing? Do you like? Because I haven't had that experience. I gotta be. I've been called. I've had the faggot experience. Are you which talking about? I'm always like, oh, thank you for gendering me correctly, yeah. but I'm not. Uh, okay, so mm. maybe no. There you go. Like, like, I like madam sounds like so. People say sick. sir to me here when they see mm. me from here, here up. Mm. People will say sir to me, so I'm familiar with that. Also, like southern. Um, okay. But uh, okay. so like also regionally in the United States that'll be different like the words that you will use okay. like, uh, yeah. like miss like <laughs> miss here especially like miss happens all the time even in the north like yeah. miss um, that happens to me all the time here but yeah. like that would be so much more common in the south and I I just, when I heard that joke I just assumed it was an Australian thing. <laughs> there you go. Now when you just uh, just to make sure that we're we're talking about the same joke are you talking about how um, she made someone essentially like a little bit uncomfortable because they said sir and uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah because I'm a service. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean I just I I I hate to say it, I identified with that a lot. Like yeah. there, there were some aspects of it that I was just like, "Well, that's not true for me." But yeah, nope. I like because it's like, yeah, I get hurt all the fucking time. Like you know, it's just like I can be. I, well, I, well, was, I thought that was your thing. You put on a dress <laughs> and tell jokes, right? Yeah, yeah. That's oh. that's my thing. <laughs> I, I just feel like I don't even know what it like. Is that yeah. your thing? First mm-hmm. of like, what a weird phrasing. So this is, this is your thing. <laughs> and it was funny. I was with uh, another uh, another comedian who identified as non-binary. Actually, no, this wasn't another comedian. This was a um, it was a multidisciplinary night. So it was like me and some people that did poetry and some dancers. And so this was a, a non-binary poet who's become a friend. And after like having this discussion and basically saying like, well, no, I'm a woman, so. If I wear a dress, it's a woman's dress. If I wear pants, they're women's pants. Even if I got them in the men's section, they're women's pants. Yeah, because I own them. I'm (laughs) secret, secret. I'm wearing a woman's shirt today from the woman's section of a store. (laughs) For those... like, it is amazing, and I'm definitely buying this, and I I don't care that there's pink next to it. For those who can't see the video... AJ is in fact using scare quotes around. With oh yes, scare, <laughs> we yes. talked a little bit about scare quotes. I with forget. I forget that there John is only an audio, yeah. an audio yeah. version of this. But yeah, I'm definitely doing lots of quotes. I don't actually think there's a woman um, section. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, and so um, what? Yeah, yeah. Please, no, no, no. I. Yeah, but it's totally cool. No, but yeah. So, uh, but like, essentially, like, so I just met this person prior to this, and we were just, like, talking about, like, nothing. And then this woman is like, hey, let's talk. So, like, a dress. You, you do this thing. And she's like, uh-huh. No, oh, and so. Woman. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like no, a, this was, yeah, no, this was a cis lady. Oh, really? This was, like, a fire red hair dumb, woman. Like a, um, like, a cis dude being like, so this is your yeah. thing, huh? Like, yeah. I, I saw, like, a. Like no, I got, a I got, I got cis dude stories. But, yeah, no, no, no. Uh, this was a cis lady um and she yeah so she she left to go do something else and then the this new friend of mine what no was it at the no 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 it was not no no, no, no. uh sorry we were talking about a another space anyway uh so this was <laughs> so uh yeah so she left to do something and this new friend of mine kind of says like I am so impressed with how you handled that because I don't know what I would have done if I had been asked that point blank. And I was just like, yeah, no, it's 
I think sometimes they're so dumbfounded. Yeah. Like, I feel like there's, like, like someone will say something so offensive, but it's so wrapped in wit. Mm-hmm. That, like, 20 minutes later, I'll be like, that mother... <laughs> like, like, it'll take... I'm like, wow, like, they've really created a nice yeah. nuance with the way that they're going to insult me now. I appreciate that. <laughs> like, you're so dumbfounded. It's like, did that... Wait, no, mm. did that just happen to me? <laughs> like, I feel like I get, I get a lot of that. Mm. Where I'm just like, what? <laughs> You're much nicer than me, Ashley. <laughs> That's why I've stepped away from theater a little bit. <laughs> I am fully, but mm-hmm. I had to take some time because yeah. it's like I'm going to kill some people. No, I feel that. <laughs> yeah. um, you're, I mean, how do you, I mean, I think that's a, you know, not to go off of the the show too much, um, but we are all in theater and I think, uh, I kind of just want to say this to say it. Okay. Let's, um, let's... One of the hardest things I feel about being in theater, because that's what I do mm-hmm. for my, like theater and film, mm-hmm. is I meet once a week another 30 people that I've never met before and mm. I'm not going to see them again after this week um, now that I have a little bit of a goatee douchebag look going on I don't get <laughs> gendered uh, I get gendered more correctly now um, mm. but uh, the fact that like in theater um, just kind of like giving a shout out to the, the the queers in theater having to like mm. reintroduce themselves and out themselves every damn day and every mm. week Every week I got to tell 20 more people, he and him, he and him, he and him. And I'm mm-hmm. like, does it get exhausting for you guys as well? Like, is that yeah. Is that why you stepped away a little bit? Or just like, because I mean, you and, couldn't And I also just want to throw out, we don't necessarily have to answer, but yeah, like if, if we oh, feel yeah. comfortable. Oh, sorry, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, 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 no, I just, I wanted to make sure because like, oh, sorry, since yeah. we're going into, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's just, you know. But I mean, like, yeah, like I, I will admit that there are certain jobs I just immediately if the phrasing isn't right Mm. and you know like that's because that's the thing like you say oh well how can you just look down at a job and it's like because if like i know based on this description what this job is going to be like and so when i have friends that are like did i phrase this right like i i'm not going to say i don't mind looking because then i'll get like everybody who just like free advice free advice uh but i don't mind every now and again if somebody's like hey can you just tell me if like there's anything that screams something bad and it's like yeah okay fine i'll take a look but yeah i mean because i mean i for me i think i'm talking more because i'm not Mm. i don't audition so Mm. i could see like i just show up and do like tech work Mm. So for me, the exhaustion comes from just having to reintroduce myself yeah. all the time to like mm. new people and having to to say my mm. gender once a week. Like sometimes mm. I'm like, yeah, you can call me whatever you want. I'm not ever gonna see you again. And I'm like, what is more mm. exhausting? Sometimes I'm like, is it more exhausting to be gendered incorrectly the entire mm. day, knowing that I'm never gonna see them again, or is it more exhausting to like individually like? Hey, how you doing? Mm. Uh, he, him. Uh. <laughs> well, and I think also with film, it is a very, like, you're done after the week. With yeah. theater, you're there for a very long time. Yeah. But yeah. That's like, mm hmm. Yeah, you're, you're stuck with these people for quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. In, uh, especially in stage management, you don't get to go, I don't want to see these people. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just going to walk away. That's yeah. not, that's not mm. really an option. Yeah. Like, mm. I'm here mm. from the beginning to the end, and I'm mm. the motherfucker you're going to talk to all the time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just exhausting. Um, mm. I've definitely turned down jobs. I don't accept any job without reading a script now. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and sometimes I've said yes, like it happened last year. Uh, was it last year or two years ago? Happened mm. to before pre puffs. Um, <laughs> it happened uh, pre puffs life for me, uh, where 
yeah, I got a, I got a job. I said yes. Mm. And then I got the script. I read the script and I said no. Mm. Um, and then the person expected a very lengthy response as to why I said no. Because um, I, oh, I yeah. told them that like, I responded because I'd already accepted the job. So I had to be like, this is why. Mm. I was like, I have to, I know I said yes, but I have to step away from this because it's mm. really transphobic. And the yeah. person was like, tell me why. Um, well, it was one of yeah. those things I didn't yeah. have to. He was like, you don't have to. I know you don't have to tell me, but could mm. you tell me why so that we can like change things in the mm. future? And I was like, but you can't say, like, you can't, mm. like theater is too small. You can't say no to stuff yeah. like that. Because yeah. then it gets around that you're the person who like won't talk to anybody and you're mm. just like the asshole trans person. And you can't be an asshole and a stage manager, like. Mm -hmm. I mean, and there's so like there can't. literally are so few opportunities anyway to yeah. be the asshole trans person who's like, God damn yeah, it. Like, know, yeah, yeah, like, like exactly, yeah, um, like, you know, like yeah. it's not really an option. So yeah. I had to send a whole long thing, like mm -hmm. detailing all the stuff that happened in the script. So like mm. shit like that happens, and I don't know, it's just exhausting because yeah. a lot of theater people label themselves as progressive, and progressive people don't like to change. Yeah. So, but that's a different topic. I want Eddie Izzard and Hannah Gadsby to be friends. I don't know if they're friends, but I, I really want so, them to be friends. I hope so, because, yeah. I honestly, I didn't even think about that I've until been, you said that. I've been mm -hmm. thinking about it the entire time, and mm -hmm. I haven't had an opportunity to say it. So <laughs> that was a good segue. Mm. So I decided to throw it in there. They would be really mm. good friends. I yeah. think they would get along really well, especially because he does comedy in a way that yeah. does not punch down. Well, and Eddie is an interesting case, which I feel like we should do an entire episode on yeah, him anyway. But absolutely. like, because he identifies as a trans man. Y yep, Did I know. He say yep. That? Yes, he Did has. He say that? Yes. So that is interesting. A yeah. No, like I that's the thing. Like yeah. my immediate thought yeah. is like my because like my bird brain like thought is no, but then it's like wait, but, but okay. He's also old. Yeah. Which is so, which is also like, true. Like, yeah. the, no, like I mean, like seriously, no, there's no, a generational yeah. difference. Mm -hmm. And something that I might find offensive if somebody who's in their 20s said mm -hmm. somebody who's like identified as transsexual for fucking like 40 years and then yeah. got more knowledge mm -hmm. about like community stuff, like in his like fucking 60s. Yeah. Like, yeah. how old is he? 50, 60 something he's, now? I mean, yeah, he's getting up there. I think he's in his like. <laughs> Apologies to it's anybody hard. listening who I'm is sorry. in their fifties and we're saying they're getting up there. But <laughs> I didn't say that. But I, I did, so I apologize. But yeah, I feel like nobody can take offense yeah. that there's a generational difference. <laughs> but like, he but doesn't yeah. have the same like access mm. to like like internet. Yeah. Like like the language mm. changes so fast. Yeah. yeah, I was actually a coworker once, like recently said, like the mm. generational change for trans people is every four years, mm. and. Mm. Because, like, and, like, if you think about it, it's true. Like, generally, like, most of the people that I know are, like, within the same, like, four or five years of age of each other. Hmm. And, like, some, I have some friends who are, that's not really true, or it's, hmm. like, give or take a few years. But, like, especially, like, language and oral knowledge. Hmm. Sorry, I have a cold. You can probably hear it. Um, is Totally cool. Uh, like, about four years, which makes sense. Because, like, all of the knowledge that I have that's happened in the past four years is, like, the people that I know. And now there's, like, new people, like, basically, like, college years. Like, every time somebody, like, goes through that, they have new knowledge and new language hmm. for things. And how there's, like, uh, like the oral tradition of trans stuff kind of gets lost. Hmm. And the knowledge doesn't transmit as well. So, anyway, so, like, stuff that Eddie Izzard says, I'm like, ah, whatever. And, like, an old trans person, like, that's fine. <laughs> Like, hmm. say whatever you want. Um, like, I know hmm. that shit's going on in your mind, and you might not have all the language or all yeah. of the, like, socially appropriate trans stuff to say, 
but like he's clearly mm. been doing trans stuff for like a long ass time mm. has like had gender stuff going on for a long time and i respect that and i respect yeah. the fact that he's stepped out there yeah. and had gender non-conforming stuff going on in his career openly for a mm. long time like decades yeah. it's impressive Oh, sorry. No, no. I think yeah. um, just to to go off of that, I think uh, me and Ashley talk about it a lot um, mm. on the show. Is when at the end of the podcast, when she asks, um, "Well, was that movie transphobic?" and you give it a rating, we always, I always say, "Well, for 1999, <laughs> yeah, no, it's yeah, not it's transphobic." <laughs> like I always, I always say, and then we did. Um, it was the Al Pacino <laughs> movie that we did the oh. Wednesday afternoon. I was like, <laughs> "Yeah." Now it would be hella transphobic, but for the seventies, that shit was pretty progressive. Yeah. Like, yeah. you have to, you know. And it wasn't terrible for that, now, even. Yeah. But yeah, like there, there were moments, but there like it wasn't moments. terrible for now. I do now yeah. watch because you said that you're tired yeah. of trans women always clutching their pearls in movies, <laughs> <laughs> and now I just watch yeah. every trans yeah. movie for women to be like, "Oh, I'm so desperate, yeah. my pearls." Not to, yeah, not to, not to go even more off topic, but yeah, there are two things that every trans, every trans character, particularly portrayed by a cis man, does, uh, and it's like portraying a cis, or portraying a trans woman. It's clutch the pearls, <laughs> and do something with their eyes <laughs> constantly. You can't see it on the podcast, but they are moving Blinky very fast. Yeah. <laughs> Lots, of Lots of eyelash movement. Oh, really yeah. yeah, I don't think I've so, ever clutched anything in my yeah. life. I'm like, I don't think that's like a thing. <laughs> <laughs> clutch your pearls, Ashley. I, I, I don't wear pearls because if I do, I will clutch them constantly. <laughs> it's a thing. It's it's part of, honestly, it's a like a trans punch card. Like, yeah, I just, I you know, yeah, you get free pearls. So I should wear more and clutch more yeah. it's just like every seven times yeah i yeah. just you know i want to break that stereotype yeah. anyway I do feel like the billion oyster project in yeah. new york is, is for all the trans women to have pearls <laughs> 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 some little new york harbor humor for you <laughs> so we've got wildly off topic but that's um so let's let's tie it a little bit back into hannah gadsby and annette and then we can um because we're getting close to wrapping up time um so what else, what haven't we talked about that, please, um, yeah. I would love to, mm-hmm. I mean, I always enjoy coming out stories, um, mm. and I love that Hannah shared hers. Um, mm. uh, I kind of really enjoyed that, um, and I, uh, my coming out story is pretty funny, so I enjoyed it, like, she uses, like, like when she told it, there was, like, a lot of jokes involved, mm. um, I, I really enjoy a good coming out story, and I enjoyed uh, her coming out story, both the joke version and the... Uh, elongated version that she uh, welcomes the audience to listen to. Um, so I really appreciated that. I thought that was... Uh, hmm. I mean, I, again, I did not... I want Not again. I don't know if I said... I did not like it. Hmm. I just didn't like it for what I thought I was watching. You, and like, yeah. I think that, like, I want to make it clear, I didn't... I, if hmm. you're getting from me not to watch it, that's not... Mm. I enjoyed it. Like I enjoyed it. I just didn't enjoy it as a comedy special. I loved what she said about mm. color and how blue and pink. Like when I was in, I went to Catholic school, and the boys' bathroom. Whoever designed the boys' bathroom, quote unquote, screwed up the colors, and the tiles were all pink. And the girls' bathroom, they quote unquote, screwed up the tiles, 
and the tiles were all blue. And I still, to this day, I'm like, oh, well, that's why I'm gay, because I had to use, like, <laughs> the blue bathroom. <laughs> well, that's why I'm trans, old BS, Lady of Blessed Sacrament. Um, so I did love how she was like, well, blue's a masculine color, and like, well, no, that's not true. Or something like that, yeah. Yeah. Yep. But like the first, the start <laughs> of the joke. Um, yeah, and the brightest part, the flame is blue, and I really enjoyed her uh, color, her really going into color theory, her really going into the art of Van Gogh. That story was amazing. I loved her art history mm. knowledge. I thought mm. that was great. Um, you know, again, not enough queer content. <laughs> <laughs> just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> did, you, did you have something specifically you wanted to talk about in the show? Uh, I mean, specifically, like, I wanted to talk about more just like I wanted to say how much I loved the fact that um, she was able to communicate this sense of essentially like why her as an art historian and that idea of like, oh, we, we look at these people and we say like, oh, they're, they're so, they are so brilliant because they're tragic. Why would we want to cure uh, Van Gogh if he, like, if the pain is what brought the art and it's like, no, you idiot. He was self-medicating. He yeah. was doing this. And because of that, think of how great, like, he was a terrible businessman. Yeah. And just like as an artist who I kind of feel is a, is as a terrible business person, it's like, you know what? Okay. Yeah. No, I hear that. Like I've, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, networking. I could probably do that a bit better. Okay. Yeah. You ever want to practice networking with me? I'm down. Fantastic. I'm so good at it. Um, not to get super serious. Yeah, no, please. To get super serious because uh, it's who I am as a human being. Um, yeah, you're serious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Where we freeze trauma is mm. is what I've been. What I got really excited when you put me on this podcast because I was hoping mm. we'd talk about this because I've wanted to talk about it. Yeah. Because um, I've never actually heard anybody talk about this before, um, and it's something that's really, really relevant to me in my life um there's only one person in my family i talk to anymore and the stuff that happened so if you want to know backstory um my mother was the first person i ever told that i was going to try using they them pronouns actually um we were really really close uh, she was good about it for a while for many years and then about three years ago she ended up yelling at me and screaming at me about it and getting really angry um, and then we didn't talk for almost two years and then we've been trying to repair it. Mm. Um, and it's one of the hardest things I've ever gone through in my entire life. Um, and it's something, so anyway, so free, so trying to rebuild mm. from there, like thinking about the parts that I freeze the story at, cause it's, got, it's very hard for me to rebuild. Cause I am also, cause she talks a little bit about anger in here and about how it's always terrible. Mm. I also deal with anger issues, and mm. so I vehemently disagree with her on this on this topic, because um, I think that there is very constructive ways in which to use anger, mm. and there are very self-destructive ways in which to use uh, anger. Mm -hmm. But anyway, but it does fuel focusing on the worst parts um, of a story, and it does mm. hurt healing. And beyond it being a comedy special, because she does talk about like stopping beginning and middle, and I think it's a broader cultural problem that's reflected in our comedy um, that will stop it at what is easiest and funniest to laugh off, that is not necessarily the best for us to heal and move forward. Mm. Um, and I want to talk, I just wanted, if you don't have to talk about it, because it's super serious and really personal, 
but I was wondering if you watched it and had any thoughts about personal life and being marginalized and like how like coming out and doing whatever has affected relationships and like the trauma of it and like where it gets frozen and how you heal beyond it. Do you have thoughts? <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have uh, gone through therapy. I'm not currently in therapy, but I dealt with therapy for a good 14 years. Um, and shout out to Laura Beecher for fixing me. Uh, <laughs> what's, up? what's up, Doc? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, and I, I think that um, I was lucky enough to have an amazing therapist and kind of granted me the tools uh, to make sure that in my adult life, as long as I still utilize those tools, um, I don't let secrets bog me down anymore. Um, but again, I'm 37, and I feel like LGBTQ 37 is like cis straight people's like 62. Like I've already lived 17 lives. Like um, so, I feel like um, in adulthood, having those those tactics keeps me. Uh, sane and keeps me away from freezing more trauma i mean there's definitely trauma in my life that uh me and only my old therapist knows about um that for me mentally uh it's better for me to just keep that kind of as a secret that i have with myself um which can be healthy or not healthy depending on the individual um i do think finding ways to make sure your trauma doesn't keep on affecting you in other ways my my trauma anything that happens to me stress-wise comes out in anger um so uh i think anger can definitely be very constructive and also very debilitating um and and with trauma i think it's hard to when you're going through it and having have anxiety attacks and that's when i'm i deal with trauma that i've already dealt with i just bring it up like it's brand fucking new um, and and um i think figuring out that way of how to utilize anger in a positive way uh because it is an important emotion um and i think you could utilize that to not harvest your emotional trauma now i will say in 2018 um, because of our current administration, I'm dealing with new trauma that I never had to deal with before within my family. Republicans in my family who I never really minded that they were Republican, but like this time around, it means something more. It means my wallet over your rights. Um, and I'm trying to figure out how to deal with that new trauma and how I've canceled out. I'm Italian, very, very, very close-knit family, and I live with my parents part-time um and i live with two republicans and i walk past them in the kitchen now and say nothing to them and they help me come out when my mom was mad at me for coming out so it's weird to have these people who were there for you who now you see as not there for you and the enemy and how am i going to deal with that trauma five years from now Mm. i'm nervous about that (laughs) Mm. but we'll see and we'll we'll see i mean i like, and I think why I identify so much with this special and why I, I was, like, I really loved it and kind of broke down with it is because, like, it, kind of like you were pointing out that idea of, like, how do we discuss trauma? And I think that's part of the reason why this needed to be on a comedy special, because as much as it's hard 
to listen to and i think and it, which is exactly the reason i would never listen to this as a ted talk because it's it's something that like i need that buffer in the beginning to bring me in exactly like she said uh so that i can hear the horrible stuff and she still ended it with a number of laughs so that i could still move on but we knew it wasn't about us and that's what i think was really impressive and uh, i know that didn't necessarily answer the question but i'm i'm getting there like i i because i was very happy to hear that she's rebuilding her relationship with her mom and that her mom's reaction was uh and i forget the exact quote but i'm it was something like i'm sorry that i didn't no, or I'm sorry. I think I, it was. Uh, I'm sorry, I raised you as a cis gender. Oh no, no. Sorry, I raised a you straight. Hold on, Joe wrote it down. No worries. This is yeah. Nice handwriting, by the way. <laughs> I'm really yeah. enjoying no, no. it. Ah <laughs> oh, crap! Where is it? Right here. I know I wrote it yeah. down. Yeah. Um, um, So, uh, well, oh, here, I found it. okay. <laughs> um, I only have two parts of it. I have, um, the thing I regret is that I raised you like you were straight and yeah. then I have dot, dot, dot. I wanted you to change because I knew the world wouldn't. Yeah. And that's absolutely a mentality that my, <laughs> I know at least one of my parents has had, uh, yeah. not necessarily that they re- not the first part, but the second part, the, mm-hmm. uh, just that mentality of, I wish you weren't this because the world is cruel and it just like it it hit home for me because I honestly uh after I think it's been about five years I still haven't talked to my parents and it's just like that sucks uh and I'm really honestly like and I know that we're kind of like we're going over on time and that's fine I set up the time so it doesn't really matter but like (laughs) yeah like I I think for me there was something incredibly cathartic in this and that's why again because I was brought in with the comedy and the comedy was good and the comedy fueled where a lot of the gut punches were going to go that's why I was so into it and I feel like it needed to be exactly what it was and so for me it was like yeah that yeah it was the good kind of feeling bad. Yeah, I, mm. I definitely agree. Um, and there was something, I think I came out of it really wanting to be her friend. Yeah. Because it's also the way that, like, it's also the way that, like, my friends and I will talk about these things. Because mm. you have to break it up. Like you said, you have to break it up with something that, like, makes you laugh or something that mm-hmm. uh, makes you feel good because otherwise it's too much. Like, mm. otherwise you're just going to break down and you can't yeah. handle it. So you need something there to kind of anchor you. Mm into a reality so you don't get lost in that trauma um and that's what was so 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 good about this i yeah. mean it like reminds me that i had a i forget what was happening but i was having a really hard time um i had a very lengthy conversation with i had to go out to visit my mother and tell her that some stuff was going to happen mm. um i haven't gotten on testosterone for a really long time because i was afraid of what would happen with her so yeah, so I went to go out and talk to her, and it was not great, but it also wasn't the worst. 
Um, and the people at the restaurant were very nice. <laughs> I warned them yeah. before it happened. Mm-hmm. I like we sat down and I lied and I said I was going to the bathroom and in fact I went to the front desk and like told them whoever was to tell whoever was going to be our server that they should just like mostly leave us alone because we we're going to have a really hard queer conversation and it's terrible. <laughs> and they just kind of looked at me like, okay, it's all right. Oh, it was no, they were so good. They yeah. like, left us alone. They asked us what we wanted, but they left us alone. Actually, mm-hmm. like two thirds of the way through, my mother turned to me and was like, they're usually like really attentive. They've asked <laughs> us what we needed, but they've like left us alone. And I was like, oh, cause I lied to you. I told them to do that. Yeah. She's like, you can do that. <laughs> I was like, yes, you can tra- treat servers like humans. Yeah. Um, uh, amazing. Right. Amazing. Right. Yeah. Uh, mm. but anyway, so that got away from me, but mm. anyway, so like my best friend came over and sp- I was having a really hard time and mm. they were like, what do you need? And I was like, look, I just need to be held mm. and cry. Um, and they were like, great. Afterwards, do you want to watch 310 to Yuma? Cause it's like, violence and cowboys and you like both of those things <laughs> and there's gonna be mm. weird sexual tension between all of them and i was like that's exactly what i want <laughs> thank you thank you just like hold me mm. and let me cry and then we'll like talk about how these these outlaw cowboys want to fuck like that's yeah. that's that's it so anyway so it just reminded mm. me of my friends and like how we handle these things yeah. because mm. you need that like lightness and that understanding that you need to joke and laugh and also to have space mm. for you to yeah. To like cry through it mm. and have that catharsis. Yeah. Mm. So I just wanted to kind of go back um, mm. and uh, just talk about that quote for a minute. The uh, yeah. the well, both of them. The I think um, I'm very. I mean, I'm very lucky. I will sit here and and never lie about the fact that I'm very blessed to have the parents that I have. I'm mm. very very blessed. Um, but I think we've most of us have heard that from our parents that like. Mm. You know, at least if your parents are not completely terrible, you've heard, you know, their way of accepting is the, I love you even though you're gay, mm-hmm. one of those, you know, um, or the on par one, like, I just wish you weren't because of how shitty the world is. My dad mm-hmm. kind of described it as like, he's like, it's the same thing when you drive. He's like, I'm not worried that you're a bad driver, it's the other assholes on the road. And I always kind of took that like, it's not, I don't give a fuck that you're gay. I'm worried about the other assholes in this neighborhood that are going to see you looking the way you look, then might attack you. Mm. Um, you know, so I, it's a hard thing to hear, but it's also like, you know where it's coming from. Um, mm. But more importantly, I think the, uh, I'm sorry, I think what we all long for our parents to say is, I'm sorry I raised you straight, or I'm sorry I raised you cis. Mm. Um, and, and doing those things, and you know, you think about it, like the minute you're born, you have a religion, a gender, a political party. Like, mm-hmm. you have all of this put onto you, and you ju- just came out. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and that's crazy. And the idea, and, I, and the idea. I mean, it's getting better, especially in New York. I look at my sister, who's a teacher. They don't do like boys on this side, girls on this side anymore. I always hated that. They don't mm-hmm. do, yeah, and they don't do any of that. Uh, she always hated. Oh, that. I always hated that. Sorry. It's yeah. crazy. It's mm-hmm. like boys. You know. Um. So I, I am happy to say that, like, at least in New York. The public school system, even in Whitestone, where they voted for Trump, you know, I get to, I come from one of the few neighborhoods in Queens that voted for him. <laughs> Scary ass place. Um, but like, you know, the fact that even this, the public schools in those neighborhoods uh, that are more progressive, even if they did vote for Trump, are changing that a little bit. Uh, so you're not just says like my nephew plays with pink things, and it's not like a big freaking deal. Like it's like he likes it because it's fun. Like who gives a shit if it's pink? Um, but I do, I wish that we would just stop raising kids like that. Like, I, And I think Hannah says it. She says to like seven. 
Give them good seven yeah. years. She says, give them a good seven years to be on the same side. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I mean, well, yeah, we yeah. do. We, we start immediately, like, boys versus girls and, and like, mm-hmm. doing that competitive bullshit. And I will say, like, as much as my brother-in-law, who I've given shit to on this show, um, <laughs> can be very cis acting and, and he's straight. And, mm. But when a push comes to shove, my, my niece right now is six and she is on a quad with her, ne- with her brother and they are doing a quad. Oh, a quad is like uh, <laughs> it's like a little motorsport yeah. thing. So it's like a like a four wheeler kind of. Oh, okay. It goes like yeah. thirty miles an hour. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like the. Yeah, yeah. So it's like yeah, yeah. exactly. It's upstate. Pickify this no this like. <laughs> <laughs> it's a motorized vehicle made for the children. <laughs> Yeah, it's a four-wheeler. There so you go. It's a four-wheeler for youngins. Quad yeah. means four. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I do. I will say, like, yes. you know, even even the the guys from New York that I see as these very mm. cis straight men are at least adapting a little bit more to be like, I want my little girl to be able to fucking kick some butt when she gets older. So mm-hmm. put her on this four-wheeler, throw her in some dirt. Mm. Let's do this, and I love it. I love it. It's really it's. Mm. It's nice to see older, like not older mm. men, but men in their 40s who are cis and straight changing. Knowing 12 years ago when I was mm. in their wedding, they made me wear a dress, and now they would never even consider asking me to wear it. Like, it wouldn't yeah. even be in that realm. So change is happening just very slowly. Mm. <laughs> yeah, no, I had a um, – I, I was just thinking about what you were saying, and there was an interaction I had with uh, a coworker. The other day, and uh, this coworker, very nice friend, love her, um, but she accidentally like started to misgender me, and then corrected herself, and it was good, and it was like, yeah, that's great, and so then because we, I showed her one of the clips from uh, Scowl, yeah. the clip of me headbutting mm. Pat Riarchy. You look like such a badass, <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> such a badass. If you haven't seen it, so find it. So uh, I showed her this clip of me headbutting someone, and <laughs> she's so she like in, she was like she was in the middle of like doing a thing, and she was like, "Oh, Mister, uh, Mrs." Uh, and it was just like, "Yeah," and, she, and like so you know we can, you know, like I, yeah, we know each other, so I'm kind of like, "Yeah,", yeah. And she was like, "Look, well, all right, you know, you you walking around headbutting people, Ashley, you know, like that's." You know, it's kind of a, and it was just like, yeah, it's kind of a what? It's kind of a what? And it was just like, you know, women headbutt too. Yeah. Are you telling me somebody comes at you? You're telling me the, uh, you're telling me Pat Riarchy's coming at you? You're not gonna headbutt him? Headbutt <laughs> him. Yeah. I, I still have, like <laughs> hatred. <laughs> um, anyway, I, anyway, okay. I feel strongly about this show that I saw. Um, so, um, I had the opposite experience, but. Yeah, the opposite experience? Yeah, I mean, mm. there, things are getting better, but I mean, mm. I don't want to be like that person, but I'm mm. kind of that person. Be that person. Uh, you know, I was mm. born in Texas, mm. Southern Baptist preachers. God bless. Yeah, um, <laughs> so I actually had a really lovely conversation with an older, it was actually the first like queer dude from Texas I ever like met. Like, not like a young person. Like, he was like in his 60s or mm. 70s. A uh, queer dude from Texas. He came in. It was a morning, so it was really slow. Nobody was in. We had like a half-hour-long conversation, um, <laughs> in which I wish we had been like, "Can we be friends forever?" Um, <laughs> but he's from San Antonio, and so he's a bit because like my family's from East Texas, so like Bible, small Texas. 
um, and he's from more of a city. So he has a slightly different experience, but we had a really nice conversation where we both like, things aren't changing. Hmm. Um, and just it was nice because living in New York, uh, people don't understand hmm. what it's like oh. elsewhere. Like, if they haven't lived it. Mm-hmm. And it was just nice for once to kind of be around somebody to be like, it's nice that things are changing here. But Texas still exists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, Texas. And I was like, it's not just yeah. Texas. Like, it's mm. a large part of this country. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like stuff, like, I got into fights with people about it mm. during um, during primaries and during all these things. Like, I just got into fights with people who would be like, it's funny. And I'm like, it's not. Everyone agrees with this. Like, not everyone here agrees with this, but the large majority of this country does not find this a joke. Yeah. Yeah. They find it serious, and they agree. And, like, it's it's hard living in that kind of dissonant world where, like, we live in a bubble of New York City uh, where everybody's like, progress is happening. I'm like, no, it's not. Yeah. That's, like, really nice, and that's, like, sweet that you think so, but a large part of this world is not. And I feel like it makes it harder to have... Mm. bigger movements happen i don't know i just i don't know it was nice to to have this conversation with somebody like generations apart Mm. but from the same kind of like cultural uh, standpoint Mm. to assure me that i was like not wrong and that things are really hard some places someplace and it's really to make it nice and positive i'm gonna make things positive for once (laughs) who knew pull up your Um, socks pull up your socks (laughs) just gonna be positive for once in their life um Mm. This being on Netflix is a big deal because mm. that means a lot of people can see it. Yeah. A mm. lot of people can talk about that trauma, see somebody talk about that trauma in a really like mm. real way and have that comedy in there. And that's big because mm. like schools are nice in New York. Like for me, that's like, that's fine. That's yeah. cool. And I'm like really happy for those kids, but that doesn't change mm. East Texas. That doesn't change mm. rural North country Adirondacks, New York, like where mm. I also lived. Um, like, those things will stay the same unless a cultural consciousness changes and how that changes is by broadening the genres of our stories um and that does this that's really exciting Mm. so i made it positive thank you all right so we should start wrapping up um i will i will say and i think that that's why particularly having this in a in in what i'll say a comedy context is important is because as much as like there there are going to be some that will be turned off from it for similar reasons that we were talking about that idea of like i was going in expecting a laugh out loud comedy and it punched me in the gut yeah. um <laughs> there i think that for the people who uh like and and because i know that you mentioned that you like it and we'll get into whether you like what your opinion is but like i i think for the people that maybe weren't expecting it but stayed for the ride really got a lot more out of it than they were expecting i know i did um so why don't we why don't we start with is it transphobic the question the name of the podcast uh we can go scale of one to ten we can do a noise a (laughs) feeling a vibe well i've been i've been trying to open it up uh so that we're not just like do you know like just how you feel to express whether this was transphobic or not yeah I would say 0.5. Okay. For that one, I know I I'm gonna go. <laughs> no, that's low. fine. Yeah. I don't think it really was. Mm-hmm. I think there was mm-hmm. the one moment where she said that it was a privilege, um, that she was the most revered of people, um, and I, not happy about that. But yeah. that's the only thing. Otherwise, but I think that that would change with the conversation. Mm-hmm. So, not really. I think mm-hmm. it was really good. 
I just liked it because I've never heard anyone give a decimal before. <laughs> I've not, like yeah. a decimal, like you were like point five, <laughs> and that's why I was like, oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't want to give a full point. That seems. Weird. <laughs> hmm. I believe it was from one to ten. All right. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying. It's open. You can make it a noise. You know, you can compare it to an animal. That's I fine. Know. Does zero amount if it's trans people making it, generally, generally, yeah, I think I think we gave her story a zero, but yeah, <laughs> we may have given it like a one or two just because of certain things, but yeah, like yeah, it was it was pretty um, close to a zero. I, I would say yeah, it's pretty close to a zero. I would I would give it. I mean that the 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 joke about tired, uh, being tired, uh, definitely annoyed the shit out of me. I, very much the same way, you know. It, to me, it compared to like. Oh, well, I identify as a... It felt the I identify as a helicopter thing for me. It's like the, well, if you're going to identify as anything you want, put superhero on my certificate. And it's like, you open up that, that conversation again. Mm. Um, but even with that, I would say, I mean, that was a, a, por- a very small portion. So maybe a two. Like a, uh, yeah. yeah, which mm. is pretty light for me. Yeah. I I would make the case it's pretty light for this podcast. Uh, like, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I'm I'm kind of in that lower third area i think honestly like it's maybe a one for me like at the yeah because it's really and and our podcast does get hit every now and again not necessarily in a real like in a real way that like oh everything's transphobic you know occasionally some idiot will say that but like (laughs) people when they actually are listening to it are like isn't everything that you do and say transphobic on this? And it's like, well, yeah, uh, for the most part, mostly. we've been doing, we've been doing for lack of better term, some low hanging fruit for a bit, but <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. yeah, I mean, we did do Ace Ventura. That was one of the first, um, <laughs> we're, we're trying to get it out of the way. We're building up to the nuance. Um, but yeah, so I, I, it's it honestly makes me feel really good that we have a piece that maybe still has some problems uh, as far as trans issues, but like, yeah, like does a great job of embracing enough that it becomes part of the talking points, but does it in a way that, for the most part, is fairly unproblematic. So yeah, I, w- I was impressed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about how we enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this again can be scale of one to ten. You can compare it to an animal. I don't know. Like there's, <laughs> I, I'm I I want to open the floodgates. However, we want to express this. Um, I would say if it was a scale of one to ten, I would say nine because okay. that moment, yeah, the two moments, the two moments, the the like in the pl- the plane thing, mm. um, and the anger thing. Mm. She and I would have serious. <laughs> want to get in a fight <laughs> get into that conversation with me but uh otherwise just amazing just mm. i mean like that totally outweighs everything else that was said because i also think there's nuance there because she was very angry through for a good deal of this as well so like yeah. she clearly understands the nuance of like where anger is constructive yeah not anyway nine <laughs> um again i think uh, uh I'll, I'll just say um i really enjoyed it as a performance piece. I didn't enjoy it as a comedy piece, so um, I would say I'll give it a seven. I'll give it a seven because okay. um, I would watch it again. Uh, I just wouldn't suggest it if you're about to go out with your friends in an hour and you don't want <laughs> okay, and you yeah. don't want to show up like I did with like swollen eyelids and looking <laughs> crazy. And I was like, I watched a comedy special. <laughs> 
<laughs> so that's yeah. my, my critique on it. Yeah, yeah. It was so I read good. a lot of Garfield. It was very good. <laughs> he hates Mondays. Oh, he just, why? What did Mondays do to you, Garfield? Show me where Monday hurt you. <laughs> you don't you just eat lasagna. Why do you eat lasagna, Garfield? I, I turned into very sad Seinfeld. I don't know what... Like, Garfield, why do you do this? <laughs> What's the deal with Garfield? He's, he just hates Mondays. <laughs> How much did you enjoy the show? <laughs> I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I, I'm trying to think because like, I'm tempted to give it a 10 out of 10, honestly. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I... I'm almost worried to do that because... <laughs> I mean, it's your show. Thank you for giving me permission. <laughs> I, I give you permission to fully enjoy something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm doing it. 10 out of 10. Yeah. I loved it. Oh, this nice. this is, honestly, and the reason that as much as I needed Joe to help me get there, uh, <laughs> this has fundamentally changed the way that I look at how I do comedy. Yeah. I don't know that you're going to see a lot of changes in the near future in my joke style or in... Uh, the pieces that I come out with, but no, this has made me take a step back and actually say, is the humor that I'm doing actually hurting me? And that's a thing that, like, the answer might be no, but... Yeah, the answer could be yes. Yeah. It's nice to explore something. Yeah. yeah. So that's that impressed the hell out of me. So, yeah. All right. Um... So in that case, let's tell people if you're pushing something, tell us what you're pushing. If you want people to find you on the internet, let us know how to find you. All right. You can find me at aka underscore Quicksilver on Twitter, um, which will also link you to my Patreon full of historical smut. If you like erotica, (laughs) if you like porn, I write it. I actually had no idea that you did this. I started doing it a little while ago, like a couple months ago. I was like, my porn's finally at the stage where I can like get people to give me money for it. So right. you want to read uh, Weird Pirate, and there is one Brutus and Julius Caesar. It's like really gross. <laughs> There's lots oh of gosh. blood and uh, murder. And, uh, 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 fetishization, I would say. Yes. It gets off to it. So if you want that. I got it. A two brute. I just wanna <laughs> like I just wanna promote your porn site right now. I'm like find me at AK underscore Quicksilver. <laughs> like oh well okay. Um no you could uh after you are done watching her stuff, watching their stuff, a little porn little historical pornography. Settle down. Settle um, down with a little Settle down with a little films uh without um Caesar, Dylan, Brutus, or vice versa. Which one is it? <laughs> oh, you're going to have to, 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 to pay yeah. to find out. You have to give you have it to the Patreon to find, to find out. out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's, it's written. <laughs> and it, you, you should know that it's written. It's not It's not visual. Yeah. Oh, now I want to hook you up with, like, my cartoon friends. I want to get you. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> um, but you can find me, uh, my film, uh, <laughs> my film Words. Uh, it's um, a, a documentary exploring identity. Uh, and you could find it on Amazon. And you can find it on all social media at Words the Film. Uh, and that's what I'm promoting right now. Yeah. Great. I am promoting a lot of things. Uh, so, <laughs> AKA <find> underscore. <laughs> underscore Quicksilver. Uh, yes. No, I'm. Uh, you can find the Is a Transphobic podcast on Twitter, Facebook, not on Instagram yet. We'll figure that out. Uh, but that's at 
is it transphobic? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Lucretia Deerfor, L-U-C-R-E-T-I-A-D-E-A-R, the number four. Uh, and we will be releasing the show of Scowl. Uh, yes! Yeah. Serious? Yeah. So it was part of our Indiegogo promise that, like, the point of Scowl is that we want to make sure that it's continuing, that it's we're going to tell more stories in the future. They might be short form, not as, like, full episode, but at the same time, uh, we want people to be able to access that. And so we're figuring out the best way to do it right now, but we're going to be releasing... Scout will fight for your rights. Yeah, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited. Yeah. I just want to see live headbutting. I'm like, Ashley, Ashley. (laughs) It's going to be wild. Like, I need to, I need to get there. Make it rain. Hashtag make it rain. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, but you can follow us at Scowl Fight, uh, S-C-O-W-L Fight. You can also go to scowlfight.com. You can get t-shirts, hoodies, uh, phone covers, uh, things like that that say scowl. So be a real rap scowlian and support. (laughs) So do it. (laughs) I hope to make rainy acts of you all. That's the official term for. You've already got me. (laughs) So great. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Let's go ahead and do something visual for the people watching (laughs) on Patreon. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much. Is It Transphobic was produced, edited, and coordinated by Ashley Lauren Rogers. The Is It Transphobic logo was created by Phoenix Sweeney, and you can see more of their work at tinylionroars.github.io. The original music you heard was all created by Vivian Aladrin, who you can find on Bandcamp at vivianaladrin.bandcamp.com.